grab those Bibles and go ahead and turn them to Romans chapter 1. Last time I left off on verse number 17, and verse number 17 says that for in it, talking about the gospel, for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And that's Romans chapter 1, verse number 17. You should understand that the first step in the revelation of the righteousness that God provides for people by faith is to, is to make known our need for the gospel because apart from the gospel, we stand under the judgment of God. And so look at verse number 18. Verse 18 declares, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, this verse may seem a bit abrupt because Paul has just spoken about the gospel, which is considered to be good news. And so why then does he suddenly shift his attention away from declaring good news to the announcement of the revelation of the wrath of God? Well, the answer is, we can never get fully excited about the revelation of God's grace until we fully understand how we stand condemned before the holiness and the righteousness of God. Without, without grace, we are hopeless and helpless in our respect to our position before God. May we understand that God never condemns without cause. And in our text this morning, Paul gives us three reasons for the wrath of God. He gives us three. We'll begin with reason number one. We, we deserve the wrath of God because we suppress God's truth. Verse number 18 kind of serves as a topic sentence for the entire section. It stands in contrastive parallelism with verse number 17. The, the continuing revelation of the wrath of God, notice how it says, is revealed. It's in the present tense form. So this continuing revelation expresses the, the personal righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God stands in opposition to the sinfulness of man. So therefore, we need a continual revelation of the righteousness of God, that, that revelation that He graciously provides for all of us. God's wrath is directed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So let me be clear. Scriptures tells us how God hates sin. And in His hate for sin, He'll stand in, in judgment over sin. And so yes, God hates sin, and He judges it, but God loves sinners and desires for their salvation. And failure to recognize God for who He is, and failure to give God what He deserves. And what does God deserves? He deserves our glory, our praise, honor, thanks. He deserves for us to submit and surrender our lives unto Him. 
failure to, to recognize him for who he is and failure to give him what he deserves inevitably will result in our failure to honor his creation. I mean, think about it. The way we treat one another, if we don't recognize God for who he is and honor him, then we'll have a tendency uh, to uh, mistreat those whom he has created in his own image. So people had God's truth, but they suppressed that truth, refusing to take notice of the truth, refusing to live their lives in accordance to the truth. And they did so with an attitude of wickedness. You see, the suppression of the truth is Paul's first reason that he gives for the wrath of God. But there's more. It's not just in suppressing the truth. It's also in in ignoring God's revelation. Look at verse number 19. It says there, Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Oh, these two verses are powerful. These verses declare that knowledge concerning God has been given unto everyone. Everyone. The fact remains that God can be known. There are some things that are evident. There are some things that can be known by everyone every individual these things are evident is the word which means it's it's made clear it's plain to see they're made evident and the scripture says within men and so everyone knows about god they know um, some things about god within their hearts within their minds within their conscience And we know that because God has made evident these things to everyone. God has made these things clear. He's made it plain unto every single individual. No one is outside of that. There is no exception to that reality. Yes, there is a great deal about God that men cannot know, nor can we fully understand. And for instance, in his rebuke uh, to Job, uh, Zophar asked the question, can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? Well, the answer to those questions are no. I can't discover his depths, nor do I fully understand the limits of God. And so while there are some things about God that can never be fully comprehended, There is a great deal about him that can be known by everyone. Everyone can know uh, certain things about God. Everyone has access to the knowledge of God's invisible attributes, of his eternal power, of his divine nature. So we can know enough about God for us to be led and drawn to him and God will never reject those who genuinely seek after him. He won't. 
There's enough about him that it can be known by everyone. That's the, the whole point of the passage. We know about God, but we don't worship him as God. We have a sense of God, but then uh, we tend to suppress that sense. And so uh, the, the knowledge of God that is made accessible unto everyone is often referred to as natural revelation. Natural revelation. It's referred to this because it is seen in his created world. Natural revelation is accessible unto the entire human race. And so, yes, scriptures declare Jesus even said himself that God is spirit. And, and all of his qualities are invisible to the physical eyes, but yet the qualities of God can be understood by our human mind only as they are reflected in the things to which he has created. And so we can have an understanding of who God is by, by looking at the things that were made by him. Look back at verse number 20. Verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Both the verb clearly seen and the participle being understood are in the present tense. Which means to this day, creation continues to reveal God's invisible attributes. Cre creation continues to declare His eternal power, His divine nature. There's a very beautiful Old Testament parallel verse to this reality. It's found in Psalm chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. There it says, the heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech. Night to night reveal knowledge. Creation continues to declare the invisible attributes of God, the divine nature of our Father and His eternal power. Creation reveals God the whole universe, its presence, all of nature declares God. And here's something that is often overlooked. Yes, we can look at creation and we can actually see that there's something more than the simple fact that God is creator. Yes, that's true, but there's also more. What's the more? We can see the invisible things of God. This means that we get to behold through creation the eternal power of God, the divine nature of our Father. We can look at creation of the earth, of space. We can look at the creation of plants and animals, the creation of, of, of male and, and female. We can look at all of these things and we can clearly see a body and structure. You can look at these things and we can see arrangement and order. We can see purpose and, and function. When we look at all of these things and, and, and if we'll reason with an honest spirit, then we will clearly see 
that the world was made by a creator. We can see that this creator was a, is a God of supreme intelligence and knowledge. It's a God of, of purpose and meaning. It was created by a God of design and order. One of beauty and majesty. That, that this creator is someone to whom deserves all glory and praise and honor. Not only that, if we'll look at nature and we will reason with an honest spirit, we will clearly see that this Creator is a God who gives life, uh, is a God who, who cares and, and provides for what He has created, that this is a God who deserves our worship and our obedience. I want you to understand Paul's conclusion to this description of natural revelation. He, he comes to the conclusion that he says that we are without excuse. So the question, does anyone have an excuse for not believing in God? No. You can throw out scenario after scenario after scenario what about this person in this place? What about this person in this time? Does anyone have an excuse for not believing in God? Scripture says, no. No. God has revealed his existence. God has revealed his supernatural power, his divine nature through his creation. In fact, the argument that design implies a designer is not an argument that people can't accept it's an argument that people refuse to accept neither person every person either rejects or recognizes god as creator and the witness to god in nature is so clear is so constant that ignoring that witness is inexcusable and indefensible. And yet, we continue to ignore and suppress the truth of God that is within us. That is why God will reveal His wrath. God reveals His wrath for suppressing His truth. God reveals His wrath for ignoring His revelation and then number three, God ignores his wrath through those who pervert God's glory. Verse 21 continues. It says, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. I mean, two serious charges have been made against humanity. Man clearly knows God, can clearly have knowledge of God. And we see that in verse number 19 and verse number 20. I mean, look at the text. Verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them. So man can know God 
based upon the evidence within them. And not only that, verse number 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Seen through what? Through what he has made. So so man clearly knows God within and without themselves. Within themselves, meaning within their own thoughts, within their own reasonings, within their own conscience. And and then without themselves means uh, uh, knowledge about God in creation, in nature, in earth, and in space. So they can know that God gives them life and, and God cares and provides for them. We can know that God runs everything in an orderly and lawful way. We can know that God gives purpose and meaning to life. Therefore, God and God alone is the one that is deserving of our praise. Yet, man, we neither glorify Him nor give Him thanks. When people refuse to recognize God as Creator, they will also fail to glorify Him and to thank Him for His gifts, for His blessings, for food, for clothing, shelter, for life in itself. Make no mistake, when people neglect God, they open the door to evil. To to omit what is good inevitably leads to committing what is evil. And so there are two tragic things that happen when we reject God and we we, we push God out of our minds. The text says that our speculations become futile. That word speculation means our thoughts, our reasonings, our, our deliberations, the conclusions that we come up with. And the word futile means empty, Vain, unsuccessful, senseless, worthless. Notice what he's saying. Our our, our reasonings are unsuccessful. Our deliberations are vain. Our conclusions are empty. Not only are our thoughts worthless, the text says that our foolish heart is darkened. And that word foolish means senseless. Without understanding, it's unintelligent. And the word darkened means blinded, unable to see. And so the heart is the seat of of feeling, of intelligence, of our moral choices that we make. And so the heart is foolish because of a refusal to recognize God for who He is and to submit our lives based upon that understanding. Verse 22 says, Professing to be wise, they become fools. Professing to be wise, they become fools. So by biblical definition, anyone who says that he or she cannot believe that there is God, or anyone, whether he or she, denies the existence of God or refuses to submit unto God, that individual is also admitting that they are a fool. But they're a fool. Psalm 14, verse number 1. David says it clearly. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. 
So the evidence of God's existence is so plain, it is so clear that to ignore it or to suppress it is completely foolishness. The Bible tells us in Psalm 111, verse number 10, that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So what happens to the person who refuses to honor or who refuses to fear the Lord? I'll tell you what happens. They, they, they profess wisdom, but they possess foolishness. And there is no fool so tragic as the fool who thinks that they are wise. And so in response to all of this, three reasonings for, for the wrath of God being poured out upon the, the unrighteous men. I want to show you the results of that. I'll give you three. Three results of the wrath of God. So in, in a real sense, uh, the results of God's wrath and condemnation on rebellious humanity is nothing more than just the natural consequences that happen when you begin to suppress the truth, ignore God's revelation, and pervert His glory. First of all, God will abandon us to impurity. Verses 24 and 25 says, Therefore, God gave them over. And I just pause right there. God gave them over, abandon them, them. Because of their sin and the constant refusal to, to submit to him, being rebellious towards him, suppressing his truth, ignoring his revelation, perverting his glory, says, therefore God gave them over. It says that here in this verse, it'll say it again in verse number 26, again in verse number 28. Which means, when it says that God gave them over, it means that he permitted them to go on in their sin and to reap the sad consequences of said sin. It says, therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature, rather than the creator, who was blessed forever. Amen. So in, in a sense, verse number 25 uh, repeats what was said in the truth of verse number 23, but kind of expresses it more completely. So the truth of God is, is not only the truth concerning God, but the truth of God is also God's truth concerning all things and so the truth is that people are created by god and we will only find true fulfillment in our lives in worshiping and serving god our creator but a lie on the other hand well, the lie comes along and says that the creature can, uh, can, uh, can live or can exist independent from God. That, that it doesn't have to recognize the creator. Those that have been created can exist outside or independent from the creator. 
And so as a result, mankind has taken the tendency to put themselves in the position of being their God. Or, or they'll put someone or something else in place of the one true God. And what's happened, they've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And the reality is that we don't exist apart from God. There's no peace, there's no fulfillment, there's no true joy and satisfaction outside of a relationship of respect, honor, and submission unto God the Creator through faith in His Son. So because God the Creator is forever to be praised, Paul added the Greek word, Amen. And that word simply means truly, or, or, or it means uh, so let it be. So Paul adds it here. He adds it as an affirmation or, or approval to what he's just said. And so the results of, of God's wrath is, is that he'll abandon to impurity. But not only that, he abandons to sexual perversion. Verse number 26. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire towards one another, men with men, committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. It says here that God gave them over to degrading passions, which literally means Passions of disgrace. This involves, as the text says, both sexes engaging in homosexual relationships rather than heterosexual ones. Women deliberately exchange natural functions or national relations. That is, with uh, the natural function is with a man in a marriage. Women deliberately exchange that for unnatural ones, for, for, for other women. And so here, this is the second exchange that's being mentioned. In verse number 25, it says that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And here in verse number 26, it says they exchanged their natural function to that which is unnatural. I want to be as clear as I possibly can, and I hope that you'll hear me on this. The only natural sexual relationship that the Bible recognizes, endorses, and even encourages is a heterosexual relationship, a sexual relationship that exists within the covenant marriage. That's it. All other homosexual relationships, all other extramarital sexual relationships are, are, are nothing more than sexual perversion. All homosexual activity, all extramarital sexual activity are subject to the wrath of God. According to, to verse number 27, it says that they received in their own persons the due penalty of their error. God has revealed his wrath not by sending fire down from heaven. God revealed his wrath by abandoning sinful men to their lustful ways. And they will be judged by the self-destructiveness of their sin. Abandoned to impurity. Abandoned 
to sexual perversion. And then thirdly, abandoned to a depraved lifestyle. We'll finish out the chapter of verse number 28. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. And when someone begins to feel the the tragic consequences of sin, you would think that they would repent and and seek after God, but, but the reality is just the opposite is true. Because they were abandoned by God, uh, they would only become worse. God gave them over. This time He gives them over to a depraved mind, which means a mindset that cannot form right judgment. God gave them over in verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness. And this term suggests the state of being filled to the point of overflowing. Once the mind has become depraved, it followed that the creative power of thought would turn itself to the relentless pursuit of evil. So here Paul lists more than 20 different ways. It's not an exhaustive list, but he lists 20 different ways in which the mind can be focused upon once it's turned itself from God, once God has abandoned it to depravity. And begins a list. Wickedness. Greed. You know, greed, that relentless urge to, to get more for oneself. Wickedness, greed, evil. Full of envy. You know, desiring something that's possessed by someone else. Envy. Murder. Pause right there because the reality is when when greed, evil, and envy go unchecked in our lives, it ultimately ends in killing one another to obtain what one desires. The wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit. Deceit's listed here. So it's not cute when we try to trick someone or lie about something in order to get what we want. That is, that is the exercise of depravity. Malice. Scripture says that they are gossips. Which is nice to say that those, those who like to create problems by rehashing idle talk or rumors about other people, gossips, it's not cute, it's not fun, it's not something that we should be engaged with. Verse 30, slanderers, haters of God. Not only do they ignore and reject God, but some actively hate Him and seek to work intentionally against Him. Insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil. Ooh, disobedient to parents. Before the parents are like, yeah, pastor, get them. Say this, when God's authority is tossed aside as worthless, then parental authority cannot be far behind. 
And how unfortunate that we have parents in many cases that have set such a poor example because they have been consistently ignoring God's authority in their own lives. That reality, they've just set the example for their children to ignore parental authority. Parents, observe, recognize, submit unto the authority of God. So so disobedient to parents, verse 31, without understanding, they're unable to discern spiritual truths untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, no compassion at all. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not all only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Here we are at the end of chapter 1. A long journey ahead of us. But as we come to a conclusion with this first chapter, the strong thing that weighs heavy upon me today is the realization that as God's children, we need to get down on our knees. We need to get on our face before God in prayer. That we need to repent of our own sinfulness. But not only do we need to repent of our own sin, we need to intercede on behalf of others. We need to be interceding on behalf of our community. We need to be interceding on the behalf of our nation. Our nation is filled with so much gross sexual perversion. We've taken the truth of God and we're focusing on the lie. We're ignoring the truth in pursuit of a lie. The truth is God created one race, the human race. That's it. One race made up of two sexes, male and female. The old sexual pleasure and fulfillment that the Word of God endorses and encourages is found within a heterosexual marriage. That's it. Our nation has just gotten so gross. It's infiltrating into the churches. Now we don't even take a stand for His truth because we're afraid that we'll offend so many people that they'll no longer attend and they'll no longer give financial support. And we have churches that are, that are abandoning the truth of God for whatever reason. It makes no sense. Sexual perversion in our nation. The wickedness. The anger. The hatred that's all around us. Do you know what the worst thing that God could do in respect to our nation? Nothing. Nothing. Just leave us alone and let us have it our way. I mean, three times in our text it says that God gave them over. God gave them over to impurity. God gave them over to degrading passions. And God, I'm sorry, that God gave them over to degrading passions and a depraved mind. Three times. Impurity, disgraceful passions, a depraved mind. 
the worst thing that God could do for our nation, for our community, even our own lives, is just to give us over to the sin that we so seek after. Oh, I pray that God doesn't give up on us. May we as his children submit and surrender our lives unto him. Recognize and respect his authority. And have so much compassion, care, and concern for other people that we will always seek to declare his truth. No matter what. No matter when an equality act gets passed and churches begin to face severe consequences for for declaring the truth of God's word, I'll put your mind at ease. At this church, we'll submit to this word. That's it. Always and forever. It's weird that we're facing this this crisis in our culture that that begins to to, to say, oh, be careful because, you know, if you say that, you, you, you might get in trouble. The two, the two greatest fears, I'll go ahead and share that with you. Uh, the two greatest fears that I have that are like unreasonable fears, un, like the first one, my, my family just thinks I'm crazy on this one, but like I, I have fear of addicts. I have a fear of addicts. Crawl spaces like underneath the house and stuff, you know. There's something about them. I think that there's probably somebody living up there or under there. And I don't want to deal with it. Somebody said, Do you, you know, with the ice storm, are your pipes, you know, good? Did you check underneath the house? And I'm like, nah, I'm not going underneath there. I'm going to pay somebody to do that, but it's not going to be me. Or if I have to go underneath there, I'll be like, all right, somebody's got to come out. Y'all got to stand at that little opening so I can physically see you as I try to crawl up underneath there because I just have this this stupid fear of those places. The other one is incarceration. Being locked up. Oh, it's too many prison movies. I, I, whatever. But, but it's that fear of being locked up. And what, what would happen? And it's weird that now the reality is becoming that if we preach this, it very well might come to the point that I have to come face to face with one of my fears. The other one I can control. I suppose I can control this one too. I could just abandon the word of God. I don't think so. I don't think so. I pray that we would all have such a great love and commitment to our Father that we will stick to it no matter what. And in this moment today, let me ask you, are there sins in your life that you need to confess and repent from? Are there decisions that you need to make? And if you're here today, and I hope that you are, you're good with God today? You're, 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 you're on the right path, and, and, and you're current, and, you're, and your prayers, and, and you have a solid relationship with our Father, then are you willing to intercede on behalf of our community and, and, and our nation? And it's time for us to seek the Lord. It's time for us to submit and surrender our lives unto him. And right now, altars open for a time of prayer. Staff and I, we'll, we'll all be down here 
willing to pray with you, willing to encourage you, anything at all that we could do to help you in this moment. We want to be able to do that. Well, we're going to spend just a little bit of time in prayer. You can pray where you're at, or I encourage you to come and join me and pray. Pray for yourself, pray for this community, pray for our nation. Let's pray, church.